This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play. You gotta break your stomach. Go and scream real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta burn your stomach. And welcome to it. Thanks for being with us here on Inside the Yard. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. And we have uh, a couple of interesting guests today, including Jose Flores, the Orioles' third base coach. Tough position there. And also for insider segment coming up, Big Ben McDonald. But, Jeff, a pretty good opening act for the Orioles in Boston. Yeah, win two out of three games against an offense that figures to be one of the better ones in baseball. And the first night, the problems were you walk hitters, seven. It kind of looked like the 2019 Orioles pitching staff. And then you go into Saturday, Alex Cobb gives you a great start following up a great exhibition performance against the Nationals. And then Wade LeBlanc mixed his pitches very effectively, kept the Red Sox off balance. And even though he gave up four runs, I thought his final pitching line, the reality of it was a lot better than what it showed to be. And he gave the Orioles some quality. And uh, plus they got some, some good productivity from their bullpen in uh, Gibbons and Blyer on Saturday, and then on Sunday, Cole Solcer uh, getting his first save. I guess uh, in terms of podcast luck, uh, we're one for one. It's called karma, baby. We're, and this is a guy we talked to last week. He wasn't sure if he was going to be on the club or not. Would he be on the taxi squad? Would he have to go to Bowie? He, he's going two innings against the Red Sox for the meat of their order with the game on the line. I, I was very impressed with his poise and, and stuff. You know, he may not throw it like Cody Carroll or Tanner Scott, but he knows what he's doing with the baseball. Yeah, he certainly does. The, what what Solcer has is, you know, really a couple of pitches that can get guys out. When he was in the minors, he was a fastball slider type pitcher, as he told us on the podcast. And then he's developed into somebody that can uh, throw a splitter, which is only about a year old, and use that pitch effectively against lefties. And that was the one that really stood out to me. If you told me that that pitch was – only been developed over the last year. I never would have known it based on the way that he threw it and got some of those really good swings and misses on the pitch. So that's maybe another option for you to close if you don't have the likes of uh, Michael Givens available on any given day uh, is Cole Solcer. And uh, good to see him getting a shot with the Orioles after um, he kind of, there was just no room for him uh, in Tampa Bay. Yeah, the Orioles play some small ball on Sunday. They play some big ball. Uh, obviously, you're looking at some of the swings you've seen this weekend from Rio Ruiz and Santander with uh, the big blow on an eight-pitch at bat. The two defensive plays he made him right, uh, two very different plays. Uh, you know, they also, you know, a lot more patience at the plate over the weekend. You know, really some tough outs. Even Chance Sisko, what, he walked three times on Sunday? I, you know, really turned the lineup over. That was the thing, is that that Red Sox staff is kind of a mess. Yeah, um, it is. They, you know they can hit, uh, but Ryan Weber is your number three starter. This is somebody that may not have been in the rotation if times were good. And then Martin Perez uh, was supposed to be your number five starter. Suddenly he's your number two starter. 
And I like the patience for the Orioles, in the, especially on Sunday, that some of the, the, the at-bats that they took where they were going longer in counts, and whenever they were, they were seemingly coming out of it with either a walk or a hit uh, or an extra base hit. And I think that's good to see, and it's something that Don Long has talked about with his team, which is um, you want to be aggressive, but you don't want to be in a hurry either. Get your pitches, and if they want you to chase, then just let them throw the pitches out of the zone and force them to come to you. And we saw a lot of that on Sunday. All right, well, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's catch up with Orioles third base coach Jose Flores. And joining us right now on Inside the Yard is Orioles third base coach and infield coach Jose Flores. And, Jose, you have to be pleased with the way uh, your team bounced back after a rough Friday night opener and played really well on Saturday and Sunday to take the series against the Red Sox. I sure am. The guys, you know, showed that they can uh, get a loss pretty quick out of their systems and uh, bounce back and uh, were able to beat uh, the Red Sox there for two straight games and uh, won the series for us. What do you make of the performance of uh, Jose Iglesias? I mean, he's a great defensive player, but uh, he hit the bat, hit the ball really well uh, over the course of the weekend and gave a nice spark out of that three spot. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing that probably our team lacked last year was a, a, a true leader on the infield. And I think having uh, Iggy, you know, held out, you know, Bird and uh, Rio on, on his side, I think has been a huge uh, improvement on our infield itself. And I think our team will benefit from that, uh, knowing we didn't know that we were going to count with that offense that, uh, that we're getting, you know, early in these games from Iggy, but uh, we take any offense right now from him that, that we can take. And I know that uh, he's a very experienced uh, player that will give you professional ABs, and that's exactly what Brandon's looking for right now uh, out of him. Everyone knows about his glove, but what makes it from your expertise so special? What makes his abilities in the field so great? Well, I'll tell you uh, one thing that uh, that you know, comes out of my mind right now. It, it, it blows my mind the way he goes about his business defensively. He sticks to his routine really uh, well. Uh, and, and that's something that he'll do on a daily basis. I think when you do something like that and stick to it and make small adjustments according to your, uh, your weaknesses on the, or the things that you may be failing on a certain game or a certain week, uh, defensively, uh, and, and then tweak your routine every now and then to get better on those aspects, it'll make you a good infielder. You have no room, you know, for failure. So I think that's one of the things that sticks out on uh, Iggy right now. Brandon said that he wants Iggy to be more of a leader and help out some of the younger players. Have you been seeing him doing that? He's done that since day one. Uh, uh, actually, even before we reported to spring training, the conversations that we had over the phone uh, with Iggy, uh, you know, he accepted the challenge of being a leader on our club. And I think him joining forces with CD, who's been on our on this club for a long period of time, uh, I think it can only make our, make our team better. So uh, that's one of the things that we actually have to uh, be thankful uh, that we, you know, got uh, Iggy on this club because he actually accepted the challenge. He knew what this team was going through. Uh, as far as, you know, developing and everything and having a bunch of uh, young players that are going, uh, that have gone through DFAs and, and, and things like that. And I think uh, the mental aspect of the game that he brings, it's, it's really special. Now, you are a third base coach, which it's one of those unfair positions on a baseball team that the fans probably don't think a whole lot about until that big send moment comes. And yeah. if it works out, 
you know, you probably don't get the credit you deserve, but if it doesn't work out, you're the one people are talking about, unfortunately. You had a good send yesterday with uh, Santander, who had a, you know, really puffed it from first base. Uh, but take us through those moments and what's in your mind and what you're watching on the field and, and how you assess a given situation. That's a really good question because uh, it's like you said, when, when everybody's safe at the plate, you're the best third base coach. When somebody gets thrown out once and you're the worst in the league. So we do uh, a lot of search and, and we study you know, a lot of video from uh, guys arm strengths and, and how they play the ball when they go to either side. Just to give you a raw example, uh, like if, if we were to have J.D. Martinez in the outfield playing against us this past series, every time he goes to either side, uh, it takes a little bit longer for him to stop on, on ground balls after he catches them. So even though he's got a good arm, it takes a little longer for him. So that's information that we pass along to all of our uh, players, you know, position players. Uh, for them to benefit from that when the situation arrives during the course of the game. But uh, we always uh, do uh, studies on how accurate the uh, arms are uh, according to the distance of the, of the throw. So, you know, to give you another example, Jackie Bradley is really accurate uh, up to 275 feet, but anything past that, uh, he's not as accurate. So we, we take all that into consideration. And uh, uh, it's like you said, we have less than a split second to make your mind, but uh, you have to anticipate as much, as much as possible in order for you to be able to make the right call uh, on that you know, short amount of time. And hopefully uh, it, it goes our way in the end. And you, know, you also have to take into consideration how many outs we got. Uh, who's uh, on deck, you know, and, and all those things. Because, you know, if, like right now, if you have a guy, you have a left-handed pitcher on the mound, to give you another example, and you have Bert on deck uh, who crushes left-handed, you, you actually want to make sure that if you send somebody to the plate, uh, he's safe because you want uh, Bert, you know, to get that AB against left-handed pitching. So all those things, you know, uh, take place before you make uh, your decision and hopefully – uh, is the right decision in the end. You're also responsible for uh, setting up the shifts that the Orioles go into. Uh, how long does that process take? And also, how much of that comes down to how good the pitchers execute their pitches? Because maybe if you have a shift on with a left-handed batter up at the plate, but if the, the pitcher on the mound misses his spot completely and they hit it to the vacant other side of the field, uh, yeah. That doesn't really make much of a difference. So we take into consideration several aspects. Of course, you know, the, whoever we got on the mound that certain day, if he's a left-handed pitching, right-handed pitching, hard thrower, uh, was his top, uh, his top fastball average too. Uh, and then we compare to pretty much the, uh, the uh, rest of the arms on the league. And then we're based on uh, a certain amount of ABs just to gather all, all the uh, data that we think uh, could be as accurate as possible. And, uh, you know, to, to make it easier for you, we go on probability. So, uh, yes, you're going to get burned, you know, the majority of, you know, some of the time, but the majority of the time we're going to be right. So uh, the more we can benefit from our uh, positioning, the better as a club we will be. Uh, we've seen that, uh, for example, this past series, you know, we probably got burned a couple of times from Jackie Bradley Jr., who was swinging a hot bat. But on the other hand, when you're swinging a hot bat, you do anything, uh, you can do anything, and the guy's going to try to find a hole no matter what. But uh, we were able to benefit from it a lot this past series, and, and, and you know, it showed uh, on the two uh, Ws that we uh, got against the Red Sox, and hopefully it stays that way, and we will continue to do 
the uh, you know the studies and the data because it pretty much refreshes after every 25 to 50 ABs that every hitter gets. So uh, we'll constantly uh, keep on upgrading that. How much time do you get with the manager in your daily preparation and before every game, before every series, and the entire coaching staff? And in baseball, these coaching staffs are getting larger and larger. More and more positions are created. Take us through what that room is like and, and, how, much, and, and how the edict comes from Brandon on down. So uh, at least on, this, on our aspect, we try to stay ahead at least one series or two. So when we were playing the Red Sox, we were already uh, doing the prep for finishing actually the final touches uh, with Miami and starting on uh, the Yanks. So, uh, you know, of course, we had to spend a little bit more time with Miami because it's not a team that we are used to playing, you know, being in the National League. But And we have a better idea of what we're going to be facing when we play the Yanks. But we do put a lot of effort, you know, into our uh, scouting and, and, and the analytical and research and development department just because uh, we get information at times that we uh, think may not be as important. But then all of a sudden when you read it, it's right on the money and it's information that we can actually benefit from, from and pass along uh, to the players. So uh, we go, you know... It, it, like to give you an example, on a game that starts at seven o'clock at night, we uh, we usually get uh, to the ballpark around noon, and start pounding, you know, uh, work for the uh, following series. So uh, we put a lot of effort and and, and time into these uh, reports just to make sure that the players uh, benefit from it and get you know get the right info in the end. You and Brandon uh, used to work together when you were with the Cubs. Uh, yeah. When you were around Brandon, then. Uh, was there a pretty good sense that this guy is going to be a big league manager at some point? No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, from day one, uh, when we started working together with the Cubs, he was first uh, our farm director. And then uh, the very next year, he became uh, the bench coach for the for the big league club. Uh, you know, his background and, and on player development and the way he went about his business and how he treated, you know, staff as a farm director in the minor leagues and how he treated players, uh, you could actually see that he was going to able to have, you know, to be successful uh, in the big leagues as a manager. And it was just a matter of time uh, for an organization to give him a, ch a shot, you know, becoming manager. And I think uh, Mike, you know, made the right call of bringing him over here because this process that we uh, are going through right now is something that we went through when we were with the Cubs. And we know, uh, we knew coming in that it was going to take, you know, a couple of years. Now with the situation uh, that we're going through right now with this virus, uh, you know, it kind of like stops the development process of some of our players. But, uh, you know, once we, we start back, you know, uh, being on track, I think it's, it's going to be a matter of probably a year or so uh, for the Orioles to be in the spot that uh, it deserves to be in. And that's, you know, becoming playoff uh, contending. Yeah, and you got some... Uh... Younger players. I mean, I think people look at Rio Ruiz and 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 uh, Hanser, and, and they don't realize. I mean, these guys are middle twenties that seem to be entering their prime seasons, and so maybe they, you know, people kind of overlook it, but maybe they're pieces to an overall puzzle too. Yeah, and 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 one thing that is really important to talk when when you mention Rio and Hanser, I think the playing time uh, that they got last year uh, served as a huge experience for them. Even though uh, Bert had big league time, you know, previously with other teams, uh, he did not get a chance to play on a daily basis. And now all of a sudden you get a chance to play on a daily basis. So you mature and learn from the game. And, and then you constantly seeing, you know, 
the adjustments that all these players are making on a daily basis, and it just benefits, you know, uh, them uh, seeing, you know, ABs and innings after innings. Uh, so hopefully, you know, a, a funny story on, on Bird, uh, me being familiar, familiarized with uh, winter ball, uh, Bird, uh, during the minor leagues here in the States, he won a couple of gold gloves, uh, had really good years. But then in winter ball, which is uh, in Dominican Republic, which is his uh, native uh, place, uh, which is a really uh, well-known league regarding pitching. He's got really good pitching. Uh, he won three batting titles on that league. So we were having conversations last year to uh, maybe, you know, pick them up from a DFA list. Uh, we had that conversation, uh, Brandon and myself, you know, hey, probably this guy deserves a shot to play in every day because, you know, he's, you know, played winter ball with big league players and facing good pitching in winter ball. And he's won three batting titles. So something's got to be there, you know. Uh, and, and we come find out we gave him a shot every day and look what he did this year. He took off pretty much exactly where he left off last year. So uh, with that being said, you know, we expect really good things from him and Rio the same thing. He's come a long ways uh, on both ends, defensively and offensively. And it was just a matter of giving him a chance of, uh, you know, being there on a daily basis and, and, and let them, you know, prove what they can do at this level. Renato Nunes is another guy. He's on the younger side. Uh, we all know he can hit. Um, and Rio is a really good third baseman, but maybe on days where he needs uh, he needs some time off and you, you're trying to fill a spot at third base, uh, for Nunez to maybe get an opportunity to go in there and, and get some more playing time at third base, what does he need to continue to do better? We, we are actually continuing with all the drills uh, that we did throughout uh, spring training because, because at some point in time, he's going to see, you know, a playing time defensively at third base. And we saw some really good uh, signs during spring training of him uh, becoming better on, you know, first step quickness and side-to-side and -side reactions and drop stepping and all that. Uh, you know, his arm strength is there, so uh, we're not concerned about that. We just want to make sure that we keep – you know, his legs strong. We need uh, Nunez uh, bat as much as we could possibly need it in that lineup. So uh, on that sense, I know Brandon uh, wants to keep him healthy, uh, but that doesn't mean that he will not see uh, playing time defensively at third base or first base. And uh, with that being said, we are uh, continuing, you know, to do his uh, defensive routine on a daily basis. Uh, so when that time comes, he's ready to perform. Jose Flores, Orioles third base coach and infield coach. Great stuff and, and great to chat with you, Jose. We really appreciate it. I, re, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time and you guys stay safe. All right, you too. Thank you, Jose. All right. And joining us right now on our Orioles Insider segment is Orioles color analyst on Masson and former Oriole, Big Ben McDonald. And Ben, Orioles 2-1 after a really successful all-around weekend in Boston where they really flipped the script after that first game on Friday night. Yeah, you know, it was good to see because, you know, don't forget the Orioles, while the pitching staff has some age to it, the position players are still the third youngest position player group in all of Major League Baseball. When you get absolutely drummed in opening day, the anticipation that goes with opening day, a new beginning, uh, second year of a full rebuild for the Orioles, and there's a lot of expectations. A lot of people want to do good. And you go out and just lay an egg in game one. It was good to see the youngsters bounce back you know, in game two, they put up three runs in the first inning, two more in the second inning. Of course, Alex Cobb was outstanding, threw a lot of strikes. Uh, Orioles punched out 11 from a pitching staff-wise, didn't walk anybody that game. So it was a really good rebound for the Orioles. And then it just kind of carried over 
into Sunday's game where they came out and, and won the series. I think LeBron pitched really well. Uh, Jose Iglesias, guys, I mean, you, you guys know about it. He just pounded the ball in spring training and summer camp. And look, what is he, seven for 14 after three games? I mean, he continues just to wear it out. But there was some big hitting you know, with runners in scoring position in game two and game three. So, look, it was a really good weekend. There's still a lot of room for improvement. We saw twice, which normally happens twice an entire season, maybe. Uh, guys take off running from second base with one out and get doubled off. That can't happen, and it happened twice this weekend. So there were still some glaring mistakes along the way. But at the end of the day, the Orioles won the first series of the year on the road. Fenway Park won two or three, so it's a good start. You brought up the no walks. You don't walk anybody in back-to-back days. Two out of your first three games, no walks. When last year you had only four total games all year where you didn't walk anybody, how do you continue to keep that trend going with the younger pitching staff? Well, the message, you know, if you go back with Doug Brokell in, in spring training and summer camp, the message to the pitchers was it is time to be aggressive in the strike zone. It is time to start attacking hitters. That was the message from February the 15th when pitchers and catchers showed up in camp this year is we're going to attack this year. And that was Doug Brokell. And the message was if you can't do that, we're going to find somebody that can. So that was the message to everybody in camp. And so if you go back to last year, I think the Orioles led the entire league in walks last year. Too many free passes, too many home runs, too many base hits. And said, look, if we're going to give up runs, let's make them earn it. We're not going to give free passes this year. So in game one, I know we had too many walks. But, boy, it was impressive to see. The Orioles didn't do it back-to-back games at all last year. And you only mentioned in 162 games, they only had four times where they didn't walk batters last year. So that's a big, that's a big help when you don't give free passes. And there'll be times along the way You'll have to intentionally walk some guys with bases open to pitch around somebody. But it was good to see the Oriole pitchers really attack the last two games. And, Ben, excuse me, uh, to that end, Cole Solcer, and I don't want to, you know, I, I want to make this very clear. He was our first guest ever on our podcast, so that's good karma, you know, to come out and then earn his first ever career save a few days later. But uh, how impressive was he? You know, uh, Brandon Hyde talked about it at the end of Saturday's game that you might see him in a high leverage situation. Here's a guy who wasn't sure he was going to be on the team and then pitches two scoreless at Fenway Park to shut it down. Yeah, it was impressive. But look, he came in in the eighth inning in a tough situation. You got Jackie Bradley Jr. at first base and nobody out in the heart of the lineup coming. And all he does is roll a 5-4-3 double play. And then you get a boot by Iglesias and another guy gets on that should have ended the inning and yet he bared down and got out of that. And they, of course, closed it out in the ninth and. You know, I remember way back a couple of weeks ago on a Zoom call where they asked Brandon Hyde, what do you like most about Solskjaer? Remember what he said? He said, he's a strike thrower. And he came in, he threw strikes again. Now, it's not an overpowering fastball. You know, it's 91 to 94. But he spots it on both sides, has a really good slider and a changeup he showed as well. So, I like the way he attacks the strike zone. I like his toughness, his grit. And so, it was good to see. You know, you used Michael Givens in the inning in the third the day before. So, you had to go to somebody else and Cole Solskjaer answered the bell big time. When you look at Alex Cobb's first outing of the year and then also his outing that he had in summer camp where he pitched pretty well against the Nationals, how excited should Orioles fans be about where Cobb is at this point? Well, you got to be extremely excited. You know, he signed a pretty good contract. And to his own words, he said, listen, I don't feel like I've done a whole lot here in Baltimore since signing that contract. He went 5-15 and 15 in year one of that contract. And then last year, of course, missed basically the entire season with hip surgery. But he is healthy. He said he feels really good. And you talked about the exhibition game against the Nationals. The velocity of the fastball and the command was outstanding. And he had that split-finger fastball really dancing that particular day. Well, he followed that up 
uh, just a couple of days ago, and he looked so good, you know. So I think you've got to be excited about Kyle. Look, if you go back and look at his career numbers, look, when you pitch into a 3-8 ERA for your career in the American League East, because that's where he came from is Tampa Bay, that says something. That says you know how to pitch. And so I think the Orioles this year, you know, in, in only 60 games are going to get the guy they thought they were getting a couple of years ago. Now, what does that do for later on? Well, if he continues to pitch well, we all know what's probably going to happen. He could end up being trade bait. And we know that potentially could happen. But as of right now, he's an Oriole, and I love the way he's throwing the baseball. I want to talk about one of the few negatives from over the weekend from Friday, and that was Cody Carroll coming on. <clears throat> I actually like the spot Brandon High pick for him. You're down four. It's only the fourth inning. You understand that he's trying to become a big leaguer kind of on the flyer, but it's Fenway Park, no fans, and clearly uh, he didn't have any command. He wasn't missing by a little. He was missing by a lot. Walked three batters and opened the floodgates up. You want to see a bunch of these young guys, especially in that bullpen with big arms, guys like Tanner Scott, guys like Cody Carroll, guys like Dylan Tate, Hunter Harvey, step forward and at least have a few guys you can build around in the back end moving forward. But for a guy like Cody, I mean, what does he have to do to, to kind of control his emotions in, in that moment? Well, that's a great question, you know. And, you know, I, Cody Carroll to me, I mean, we've never questioned the arm strength, right? He's got the arm strength just like Tanner Scott's got the arm strength, just like Miguel Castro's got the arm strength. Uh, to do it. So you don't question the ability. They got to find a way to talk about Cody Carroll. He's got to find a way to need to relax, you know, and that's a lot easier said than done. And Mike Flanagan used to tell me all the time when I was a young pitcher, and he was still a ball player before he even started coaching and broadcasting is sometimes you got to try easier. And as a 22 year old kid, that doesn't register with me. Right. I mean, it's like if something goes wrong, I want to try harder. I'm going to figure out a way. Right. Well, that was wrong thinking for me at the time and so what he was saying is slow the game down can Cody Carroll find a way to slow the game down to get in his rhythm to get in his group can Tanner Scott do the same thing I love the back end of the Orioles bullpen like you said there is some big arms back there and over in the other 30-man roster booth there's some big arms there but can those guys figure out a way and nobody's going to be able to do it for them they're going to have to figure it out on their own to be able to throw strikes and Cody Carroll he had a good spring training he really did I thought he was ready to turn the corner but Maybe you can write this one off to just being nervous the first outing of the year and making a big league roster, you know, for the first time out of spring training. I still like his stuff, and I'm hoping he can somehow find a way to command the strike zone. Ben, how does the top three of the order continue its productivity from the weekend? It's maybe not the most usual composition, especially with Iglesias hitting out of the three hole, but how do they keep performing against some of these really tough teams in the AL and NL East? Well, we'll have to see what happens. You know, Austin Hayes, I mean, we're expecting big things for him, and, and rightly so. He's probably the most talented Oriole player uh, from a position standpoint that we have. But you got to remember now, he's been around, and, and we've heard his name a lot in the last three or four years, five years in this Oriole organization. But he only had 126 major league at-bats, guys. That is not many at all. And a lot of times it takes a hitter before he really – the light bulb starts to flicker four or 500 at-bats, maybe 600 at-bats in the big leagues, like it takes a pitcher, a starting pitcher, nearly 200 innings before that light begins to flicker. So don't forget, Austin Hayes has been around. He had a great September last year, but still, that's not very many at-bats at all. So it's going to be learning for him every time. I think that's the reason why he's at the top of the lineup in a lot of ways. Not that he's not a lead-off hitter, but I think Brandon Hyde wants him to get as many at-bats this year to, to, to get him growing even more. Hansar Alberto, what can you say? I mean, when lefties are pitching, he's going to be at the top lineup. I mean, you can't say enough about this guy, a guy that couldn't find a job last year. And Mike Elias picks him up right before spring training, uh, you know, off of waivers and signs him. And he just hits 305 last year, hit nearly 400 off left-handers. He's doing it again 
this year. So I love him. And, and Jose Iglesias, look, we know that he, you know, had a career high in home runs and RBIs in Cincinnati last year. The glove has always spoken for itself, 984 fielding percentage. So he's always been one of the top five defensive shortstops in all of baseball. But the bat has been ticking up for him a little bit now. You know, the power numbers, I don't know if he's going to hit, you know, in a normal year, I don't know if he hits you 15 home runs. But look, if he can be productive where he is right now, Austin Hayes gets on bat, Santer on base, and Santer and Derrick, guys in front of him, Alberto, he's going to drive in some runs because right now he's the most impressive hitter for the world's like, he looks a lot like Alberto to me sometimes. It's off balance. It's ugly sometimes, but he seems to find the barrel. And that's what he did all weekend long, uh, racking up seven hits and just 14 at-bats. All right, Big Ben, we appreciate it so much. And uh, great stuff over the weekend with Scott Garceau and Mastin, and we look forward to your calls all year long. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Take care of yourself. Great stuff from Big Ben, as always. And, Jeff, uh, great stuff over the weekend, uh, broadcasting with Kevin Brown. Uh, you'll have a new radio partner for this week. Uh, that would be me. So I have big shoes to fill with Kevin, even though he's not really a, a you know, big guy. But uh, <laughs> it's a big expectation to live up to. As, we, as I do my tour around uh, Orioles broadcasting circles from, from O's Extra over the weekend uh, to the radio booth this week. Well, we, we, we are very welcoming in, in our broadcasting circle. So, well, of course, yeah. I mean, you're going to have your own booth and everything. So. Uh, but no, it was it was interesting calling games off of a monitor for the first time, and I got a little bit of a tutorial for it. And maybe it took a game or two to get into the swing and realize how to use a couple of your different monitors. But I think by Sunday we started to get into the rhythm. And the the good thing is we're we're staying safe. We have plenty of space in our booths, and uh, it doesn't really affect the way that that I do my job. And I'm sure you'll kind of find it the same way. It won't affect how how you go about your business. But, but it was fun, and what made it more fun was that the Orioles picked up wins in two out of their first three, and they got a couple of great pitching performances. Yeah, I was doing um, hitting fielding drills with Mike Bork the entire uh, game, you know, from a distance. So I'm going to miss that uh, rapport, but hopefully we can do much of the same. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and, you know, Bordy, we were actually, you know, fungoing uh, with each other as well to kind of stay sharp on our baseball skills if we needed at some point. But – uh, Jeff, a great episode of Inside the Yard. Our thanks to our entire crew, uh, plus Jose Flores of the Orioles and Big Ben McDonald. And uh, another great episode of Inside the Yard, Jeff, in the books. It's been fun so far. We've gotten a couple of great episodes. So I guess this means because um, we brought some luck to Cole Solcer that um, for at least the next couple of weeks, uh, every time Jose Flores decides to wave somebody in, they're going to be safe. Well, I think that's true, and you would think all the all the Orioles players would be lining up to come on the show now, uh, given the fact that Cole Solcer had so much success right after he was on Inside the Yard. Uh, for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Thanks for being with us, and stay safe, everyone.